So I just want to start off uh, today. You know, last week I began a three-part series, and uh, we just recently did a, did a church-wide fast, and I had kind of mentioned to the church that, you know, there were some things that I was pressing in for, and I wanted all of us to press in, you know, in, in, into uh, the three areas, in, of, and we're going to look at the second one here this morning, but really as a way of God just changing me, like God change me and make me, you know, into a new creation, make me into a different person, Father. So I started a series last, last week called Lord Change Me, and David, King David said in, in Psalm 51, he said, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And David, when he wrote that, he was asking God to change him. Wasn't talking about everybody else. You know, and if you know this Psalm 51, this is after the prophet Nathan had confronted David with his sin with Bathsheba. And David understood that David needed to change, that something had to happen with him. His heart was, was, was wicked. He was, he, he was sinful. And so he, he came before God in humility and cried out to God, God created me. You know, a lot of times we can look at others and we can say, you know, man, they're, that's a, they're rotten. They're, they're, they're pretty bad. But God's like, it starts with us, you know, and that's, that's what I wanted to, you know, really focus on with this. So, um, you know, David understood he could not remain the same. Something had to change and that something was him. And if you look at the, the Psalm 51 there, he said, created me a pure heart, O God. He was saying, God, change me. That, that was his prayer. He was admitting that he was not perfect, that he needed to repent and turn back to God. And that is really the beginning of God changing, in, changing us as we admit to God we're not perfect. No matter how long we've been saved, how long we've been knowing Jesus, how long we've been going to church, there is always something that God can do with us and change us and make us better. And then he said, God, keep me. He said, do not cast me from your presence and um, don't let me drift from your presence, oh God. And I, I pray that to God. I say, God, you know, don't let me drift. Don't let me get away from your presence. God, keep me. You know, don't, don't, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Keep, keep, keep your presence with me. And then he says, then David prayed, God, grant me. And he said, restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And that, that really should be, I believe, all of our prayers as believers is, God, give me a willing spirit. I mean, don't you need that? I, you know, you say, well, let's, I, I have a willing spirit. I'm saved. That's not automatic. It's, God, God, grant me a willing spirit, a desire, a desire for you, Lord. And David cried out and he prayed, he prayed these things. So um, last week, we, there's three areas we're going to look at, compassion and hunger and, and holiness. And last week's message, I shared the parable of the Good Samaritan and the, and the compassion of, of, of the Lord. And Jesus shared that, that, that parable. And, um, and we, we discovered that the good Samaritan um, was, the, was the good neighbor. He loved, he loved the down and out. He, he, he wasn't like the priest and the Levi that walked by the man that had been robbed and that had been beaten. The parable says that he stopped. He had compassion on the condition of this man. He just, he just didn't have an emotional compassion Compassion was what? If you were with us last week, what, was, what separates compassion? It's action. You, you, you activate. You, you know, all of us can feel sorry for someone. 
okay, but what are you doing? What, what, can we have compassion? And, and that's what I'm praying, that God, you know, God would give me a heart you know, for the lost and, and have compassion not just for their, their immediate needs, but really for their, for their spiritual condition. It's the condition of their heart and their soul. Are they saved? Are they born again? God, give us a compassion, you know, for the lost people to, to, to see them. And, and I believe, you know, one sermon is not going to do that. We, we have to cry out to God for that every day in your, in your quiet time, in your prayer time. You've got to ask God, you know, and it, it really, it's removing self. Because I've shared this with y'all, we're all, by nature, we're selfish. You know, we, we spend most of the time taking care of us. <laughs> But compassion is like taking our eyes off of ourselves and placing them on the needs of someone else. Not easy to do, especially in the society we live in today where it's all about the number one person, which is us. And for us to really care about somebody else, that really takes the work of the Holy Spirit uh, to do that. So, but in part two's message, um, I want to concentrate on the, on, the, on the hunger for the things of God and that was another thing that I was really pressing in for, that God would give me a hunger for the things of God. And that, that's today's message in the second part of the series, is hunger for passion and zeal. You know, hunger for passion and zeal. I think all of us, again, that would be something else we would agree. It, we, it's difficult for us to maintain that. Uh, Romans twelve eleven, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And then another translation says, be enthusiastic to serve the Lord, keeping your passion toward him boiling hot. Radiate with the glow of the Holy Spirit and let him fill you with excitement as you serve him. And this passage here in Romans is, is talking to us. It's saying we, we have to, we ha it says never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. In other words, the Bible is commanding us as individuals to keep the fire burning in your life, to, to keep the spiritual fervor going in our lives. And we are commanded, I believe, as Christians to be zealous for God, to be zealous for the things of the Lord, to serve him with great enthusiasm and passion. And, you know, imagine the difference in your life, your family, your church, your school, your workplace, if Christians really serve God with zeal. And, and just excitement and enthusiasm, imagine the difference that that would, would make as a witness for God. I, I think it will begin to change the atmosphere of the places that, that, that we work and the places that, that, that we live. And um, so, but the reason why I made the hunger for God a focus on my fast and one of the things I wanted us to press in one is because maintaining hunger and zeal for God is difficult and challenging. It's extremely difficult and, you know, trying to be zealous for God, um, you know, the, the world um, is, you know, is enthusiastic about the things that they want to be enthusiastic about. But when we try to press into the things of God, it's like the weight of the world is coming against us. It's like something's wrong. It's like you're, you're going against the way the world thinks. And there's, there's like a weight that comes down. And the Bible says that we wrestle with powers and principalities. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. There's spiritual forces of darkness, the Bible says, that are opposed to us. And that's what we feel. We feel that oppression. We feel that weight. We feel that battle. We feel that thing. What is it? It's, it's spiritual. It's not physical. It's a spiritual battle. And there's, there's forces that, that are opposed to you being enthusiastic, loving God, coming to church, doing all of those things. 
There's, there's things that, that come against us. And, uh, but Paul said, keep your spiritual fervor. We have to keep it. It's our responsibility as individuals to keep the fire burning. And so um, I thought about this as I was looking at a, uh, to preach this message about hunger for God and zeal and, 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 and passion. I wanted to pick an individual, and there's a lot of them in the Bible that you could go to to learn from, but I wanted to find someone that kind of gave an example that exemplified that, you know, those characteristics. And there's a young king in the Bible named Josiah that we're, that we're going to look at today, and he had a remarkable and unusual passion for the Lord. And I believe his life and this passage we're going to look at hopefully can kind of compel us or draw us and teach us some things that we can learn from him that will cause us also to have to have um, compassion um, the way he had uh, way he had passion um, and, and enthusiasm for the Lord. So we're going to look at this in 2 Kings 22. It says that Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of, Ad of Adiah. She was, she was from Boscoth. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. In the 18th year of his reign, King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azalah, the son of Mesalem, to the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah the high priest and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. And have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are honest in their dealings. Hilkiah the high priest said to Shaphan the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan who read it. Then Shaphan the secretary went to the king and reported to him, Your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest, Achaim, son of Shaphan, Achabor, son of Micaiah, Shaphan the secretary, and Isaiah the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. And what a remarkable passage here that we have in the Bible. And, you know, when you look at this passage of Scripture in the, in the Bible, it's interesting to note this. If you read the, the account of the kings of Israel, they'll, they'll give an account of a, of a king, and then when that king passes, passes, passes away, a son, one of his sons will, will succeed him. And, and they'll, they'll, they'll say just what it says here in 2 Kings 22, verse 2. It says, he did, this is talking about Josiah, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord 
and follow completely the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the left or to the right. But most, most of the, king, most of the uh, kings, if you read, that succeeded the other king, said he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. It's very seldom you get to a place like we did with Josiah, where it says he did what was right. <laughs> so that's the ones, and when I'm reading that, I kind of perk up, because all the other ones messed up. They didn't get it right, but there's a couple of them that got it right. And Josiah was one of them, and it says he followed wholeheartedly after the ways of God, and um, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. So um, Josiah did what was right in the midst of evil and rebellion. Israel uh, was, was living. He was the king of Judah at the time. Israel was in a time of rebellion. They had, they had neglected the things of God, neglected the ways of God. They didn't want anything to do with God. So here he is a king in the midst of a people that didn't want God. And he's the king of Israel. And, 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 and this, this is the environment that he, that, that he, that he is serving in. And um, so that kind of, to me, gives us a, a, the first thing we can glean from this is that the wicked place that you live or work is never an excuse for, for, for not doing right in God's eyes. In other words, you can't ever say, well, you know, the place that I live or the place that I work or society has become so wicked and so evil, I can no longer stand for God. Josiah did it. He was able to stand up, and he, he, wanted, he wanted to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. So we can't ever say that it's too difficult or it's impossible. The people around me are wicked. God has called you to stand. He's called you to stand. The, the places that I worked before I became a pastor, they, they weren't wicked places necessarily, but they were ungodly. But it never, it, never, it, it never shattered my faith as far as I knew that God was still calling me to stand there, that I had to stand for righteousness and for, for holiness and all those different things, regardless of the environment that I was in. I was a Christian. That's who I was. And I've heard other Christians say that their, their workplace is so difficult, it's, they, can't, they, can't be God, they can't serve God there. I, I disagree with that. I don't believe that's biblical. We, we stand wherever God places us, and Josiah was willing, was willing to stand there. He was not intimidated or distracted by the evil behavior of those around him. See, Josiah was more interested in pleasing God than pleasing men. You know, that's really what, what, what we have to get to. So, so let's look at this passage here in, um, in, this, in 2 Kings and look at the actions that Josiah took and see how we might glean from his, from his actions and get us also to get a spirit of zeal and passion for the Lord. And so in verse 5, it says, Have them entrusted to men appointed to supervise the work on the temple and have these men pay the workers who repair the temple of the Lord. So the first thing that we see here with Josiah is Josiah was zealous for the church. He was zealous for the church and and if you read the passage there in the beginning, it says that Josiah was appointed king. He was eight years old. And I don't know about y'all, that's, um, that's pretty young. He was, he was eight. And obviously, eight years old, okay, you're not really, <laughs> you know, you, you're not making a lot of this. You don't really understand a lot of things. But we read this passage here, and, it, and, it's, and this was in his 18th year now. So we, he's 26 years old now. So he's still a young man, but he's, a, he's, an, he's an adult and, um, but he, he's still extremely young. And I, I think it's important for us to glean for this, especially for young people in our church, that God can use young people. 
that God, God wants to use young people. And, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about that for young people. And I, like Brandon and Jenna and Uriah and, 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 and Ruby and all the young people in our church, God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit that you will take the fire of God and burn bright in the place where you, where you live, where you go to school, where you work. This society needs to see Josiah's living for Jesus. They need to see that. that, that we, God needs every age serving him, from, from birth to however old we live. But I'm telling you, there's something about a fire burning inside of young people, especially when, when we live in such an ungodly, wicked society that we live in today where it seems like nobody wants God. If someone, if just one person stands up Look at the impact and the difference one person can make. So I'm, I'm, I'm believing that, that God is going to birth Josiah's from this church, that, that, you, are, that you are not going to care about the wickedness of the world, the ways of the world, the ways of your family, that you are going to stand just as young Josiah did, and you're going to stand for God. I'm believing that, and this church should be praying for that. The older, part, the older parts of our congregation, we should be praying for the younger generation that the fire of God falls on them, that God, that God gives them that spirit, that Josiah spirit. Because it, Josiah, that didn't come from men. It didn't even come from his father was wicked. His grandfather was wicked. That came from God. That, that, there was, that, was, that was like the spirit of God in him. So we got to pray that the spirit of God falls on young people. Don't y'all want that? I want that. I, lo- I mean, I love all ages. But man, when a young person gets on fire, I'm just, I step back because I know that's God. That's his spirit. So, so we look at this and here Josiah is, he's, he's, he's 26 years old. That's, to me, like I said, that is still extremely young. And, but he maintained his zeal throughout his youth. And we look at this passage, he began making preparations to repair the temple of the Lord. Why did he make preparations to repair the temple? Because the temple was in disrepair. It had been neglected. It had been, it had been abandoned. Because of Israel's rebellion, they neglected the temple, which among other things represented the Lord's presence. That was God's presence. That, that, that's what the temple represented in the, in, the, in the time of Israel. So when we look at the temple in the Old Testament, though it's not a direct correlation of the New Testament church, it still in many ways represents it even today. There's, there's things that the, that the temple represented that we can connect to, to, the, to the New Testament church. And um, so, you know, if you think about it, God's, God's church is in need of repair. Not, not necessarily lo- local church, but God's church in general is in need of repair. There's, a, there's an abandonment of the church. I think we would all agree to that. that there's, a, there's a disconnect of people's desire to want to go to church, to want to be a part of a, of a body, to, to be a part of a fellowship, to connect with, with other people that love God. There's, like a, there's, a, there's a disconnect from that. There's a, we're, we're in a desert. There's a dryness season with that. And I've seen the decline since, since I was saved. There, there's been a steady decline of just a, the, of, of an enthusiasm for church, for, for the things of God. It's just, it's not, it's not there and I don't know exactly what the reason is, but it's prevalent in our society today. It's not just an American thing. It's all across the globe. There's just a lack. And, 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 
it's in disrepair because people have abandoned God. They've neglected God. They don't want God. And uh, so, but Solomon even understood when he built the temple that the temple could not hold God. In other words, it couldn't contain, as, as magnificent as the temple was, and it was, it couldn't hold God. <laughs> and he said in 1 Kings 8, 27, but will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built? So we know that God is not restricted to this building. He's not restricted to this place. No, no more so than he was, was restricted to the temple place. Solomon, Solomon understood this. But the church still is a place where we come and we gather, where we fellowship, where we encourage one another, where we do all, all these things. These things take place in the atmosphere of a church. The, the, same, the same was true uh, for the temple. So let's look at some similarities of the, of the temple and, and, and see how it's similar to the church today. Um, the first one is the temple was a place of sacrifice. It, when you read and study the Old Testament, you will find the sacrificing of countless animals and for the sins of the people. That, 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 that occurred there at the temple. The, the people were bringing their sacrifices for, for their sins. And all of, these, all of this we know was a foreshadowing of what? The coming of the one and only sacrifice, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That's, that's what all that was building to, was the sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ. The New Testament church, we are called to be a living sacrifice. We're not called to, to get on a cross. God, God has not called us to go, go nail ourselves on a cross. But nonetheless, the Bible says what? We're living sacrifices. Make yourself holy and pleasing unto God. We're, we're, a, living, we're a living sacrifice. Um, when we come before the Lord, we're willingly giving ourselves to him. When you... When you come to church, there's a sense of accountability. In other words, you're, you're a first, you're accountable to God. So by coming to a part of a church, you're telling God, I want to I connect with the church. But then there's also a level of accountability with one another, that you're willing to place yourself in the presence, in the, in the community of other believers, and be accountable in the sense, I belong to this fellowship. I'm part of this church. You know, that takes a step. That's a big deal, you know, and, that, and, and, that, and that's a good thing. And uh, so, but, you know, sacrificing, we, we, we sacrifice really, the, we are living sacrifices. So um, some of these things could probably happen outside the church, but I think all of us agree that the things that we, that we experience as a body, you cannot get as an individual. It's, there's a corporate thing, there's a body, there's a gathering, there's a, there's, a, there's a place that there's a place for this. So, so the church is a, is a place for us. We're living sacrifices. And then the next thing is the temple was a place for prayer and for praise. See, um, society in many ways has attempted to replace or recreate what was intended for the body of Christ, the church. And uh, the temple was a place set aside for prayer and praise, a meeting place where these were held in high regard. But see, the nation of Israel, they had neglected the temple. So if they neglected the temple, what did they neglect? There was no praise and there was no prayer. <laughs> they, they were not coming together. There, there was, the, the, it was in disrepair. It, was, it, 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 had, it had been neglected. And um, they, they, were neglecting, they, were, they were neglecting coming together. 
See, I believe it's time, it's time to bring back the priority of the church and coming together to worship and praise the Lord. That needs to be a priority in our lives. That, 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 that's, that's where we talk about hunger. We talk about zeal and passion. It begins with the church. That, that's where I get fired up. I mean, that, think about that. How could you, I don't know how a believer can survive in, in the world as a Christian without being part of a body. I couldn't do that. I, I wouldn't make it. I, I know I wouldn't. I, I need to be around other people that, that God's doing something, that God's changing them. God, God, they got a testimony. They, they, God's healing them. They're, man, let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me see what Jesus showed me. I, man, I prayed this prayer. I, God gave me this peace. You're not getting that on your own. You gotta, we, we get that in the body. And I believe together we, we spur one another on, the Bible says. We, we build one another up. We, we compel, we push each other. That's what the body does. So it's, it's extremely important for us to put a priority on, on the church. And then the temple was a place for the union of the people. And, um, you know, the, the people overlooked their social distinctions and, and the tribes ignored their tribal jealousies when they ascended the sacred hill to unite as a nation in the worship of the one true God. When we come together here, we are here for one purpose, to worship the name of Jesus Christ. You know, it doesn't matter whether we're rich or poor. It doesn't matter what our, what our racial background is, what your vocation is, what your upbringing was. It, it doesn't matter. We, we are united here. Think about that. We are, we are in one accord. Why? Because we, we have agreed that Jesus Christ is our salvation. We, we, we have accepted Christ as our Savior and our Lord. So we come together as the body in one accord. Isn't it awesome? There's unison in that. And that's what, what does the Bible say? We're brothers and sisters. That's strong words. Jesus said, these are my brothers, these are my brothers. That's strong language. You know, I've said this, I'm, I'm close to my family, but, but I'm closer to my spiritual family in many ways. Uh, the, the, the relationships I've built with my spiritual brothers and sisters, they're real, that's close. And, and, and that happens when we come so I think we overlook the aspect of unity, that we're united here. You know, of all, the world's divided. There's division. That's all the world talks about, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, you know, on and on and on. And, it, and it's just a constant onslaught of division. The, 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 the media and politics, what do they do? It divides. It just wants to bring division. But what does God do? He unites. How? In Jesus Christ. We're not united around religion. Religion can never unite because religion, not all religions believe in Jesus Christ. We're, we're united in Christ. We're made one. There's, there's therefore now what? No male, no female, no slave, no, no free. We're all one. We're one in Christ. What, and that, that's experienced when, when we come together in the church. So I'm praying that when we talk about hunger, that God gives us a hunger for the church that gives give us an, an enthusiasm. Amen. You know, and I said this, um, you know, when we come here, we should come with expectation. Not sometimes, and all of us can be guilty of this, we can come out of duty. It's my duty. It's Sunday morning. I, I go to church on Sundays. Well, yeah, we go to church on Sundays, but why do I go? Because I'm excited. God has saved me. God has changed me. Jesus died for me. Uh, all, all these things, 
we should come with not a, not a fake, um, phony enthusiasm, but a real, genuine excitement that I want to be there. And I, and I think if we did that, that again, that, that, builds, that builds that zeal. See, but it, you say, well, I'm, you know, he's not zealous or she's not zealous. Well, God, God wants to know, how come you're not? It starts with me. The same Jesus that saved you saved me. What, we should be excited about Jesus. That, that's what we do. So, so that, that happens when, when, we, when we come together. And of course, the Bible says, like I said, we are called to encourage one another when, when we meet. Then look at verse 13 here in our passage in 2 Kings. The, it, the, before this, when we read this, they, they were cleaning up the temple. Imagine this now. They, they were repairing the temple. The masons are there. The carpenters are there. They're, they're repairing the walls. They're doing all that stuff. And it says, what did they find? They found a book. Now, the book, that must have been shoved behind a wall or behind, a, behind something that had broke. The book, it was probably piled with dust. It had been neglected. It had been abandoned. It had been forgotten. But here's this book. And, and, the, and the passage says they found this book. And look at verse 13 here. It says, this is Josiah. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because those who have gone before us have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. The next thing that Josiah shows us is that he was zealous for the word. Josiah was zealous for the word. Now imagine this. I got to think that Josiah, I don't know if he ever read the word. It appears to me this is the first time, that, in other words, they read, they read the word they read your word, and if you read the way this is written, and this is interesting the way they say that, when the secretary and the high priest came back to report to him what was going on, notice what they did. They didn't first tell Josiah, we found a book. Remember, he's the king. So if you do anything or say anything that the king doesn't like, it might not turn out too good for you. So what did they say? They said, Josiah, we wanted to let you know the repairs are coming along really nice. Everything, everything's going on. And, and oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we found a book. And he said, and they, they read the book. And when the Bible says, when Josiah heard it, now, other, other men before him, they heard the word of God. But what did he do? The Bible says he tore his robes. He, he acted in sorrow and repentance. He says, great is the anger of the Lord that burns against us, for we have not acted in accordance to all the words written in this book. He had, a, he, had a, he had a hunger for the word of God. He burned with the spirit. See, God placed that spirit with him. He wanted to please God. I want that in my life. That, that, I, that I tremble at the word of God, that the word of God is still, it, it's still valuable to me. It's, it, it still means a lot to me. I, I, I value that word. Jo Josiah, the Bible says he, he trembled when, when he heard that. See, Israel had neglected the word of God. They, they weren't reading the word. They weren't teaching the word. They definitely weren't obeying the word. And here's this young king, 26 years old. First time's ever heard that. Tore his robes got down on his knees, brokenness before God. Go find out what this says. God's anger burns against us. That's the zeal and passion you and I got to have for the word of God. We, we, we have to love the word the way, the way Josiah did. See, he tore his robes. He was broken and repentant. His heart burned with zeal to please and honor God. And God, I pray that God gives us that passion. God, give us a passion for your word. 
You know, I think a lot of times um, we take for granted the word of God. And I've said this before. There's other nations. They, can't, they cannot get a copy of the word of God. They can't get this. And, and there's some places in the world today that cannot get a copy of the Bible. And most of us probably have at least a dozen copies at our house. At, at least. They can't get one. There's some places in the, in, the, in, the, in the world, they'll take a Bible, and it's so precious to them that they'll rip the pages out and share the pages with one another and memorize the pages because there's only one. There's no way to copy. There's no way to go buy another one. And here we are. We have endless copies, endless translations, endless, endless ways of understanding the Bible. Do we still treasure God's word? God, give us a hunger for your word. Don't just take it for granted. I got a Bible. No, you got the word of God. The Bible says these are the words of life. These ain't just words written on a page. These are life and death, the Bible says. We need to treasure God's word. Don't just toss it. Maybe, maybe, maybe your Bible is like, 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 the, like, like the temple that's just tossed it aside. God, give us a treasure. Let us treasure your word, God. Don't just take it for granted. I know the word. I got a Bible. I've read the Bible. No, treasure those words. They're life. And what, what did Jesus say? Time around your neck. Put them as symbols around your neck and teach them to your children. Teach, teach them to your children. Why? They, they, are, they are life for your children. Their wisdom, the Bible says, is the life, the, the, the words of God. But think about the Look, look at Josiah. Never, never heard the word of God, but fell on his face before God, tore his robes, and said, I got to know what this word says. God, give me a passion for your word like that. Give me a zeal. To, to love your word. See, we have to ask God to replace my hunger for the things of the world with a hunger for your word. You know, to, 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 to take that same desire we have for the things of the world. And I notice there's so many, there's so many go-tos now. There's so much in social media. And, 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 and really, the internet has, has just exploded. There's so many ways to get information. And a lot of it is good things. It's, it's, it's good information, but some of it's not. And even the stuff that's good can do what? It can distract us. It can compete with the time that, that I have to give to the word. So you have to ask God, whatever that thing is in your life that you, that you really love or enjoy, say, God, give me that same love for your word. Replace it, God. Ask him to do that. What, what did David say? Create in me, God. <laughs> Change me, God. Give me that. If it's not, I've, I've said this before, it, it's not wrong to go before God and ask God to do something in your life that you know is, you're not doing. Because God's not surprised that you're not doing it. He knows. God, change me. Give me a heart. And then give me a love and appreciation, as I said, for the, for the liberty and freedom that we enjoy to even have a copy of God's Word. God, give me a... Let me realize that this is a treasure. Just like you would treasure anything else in your house that's valuable, whatever that is, this is a treasure. It's not a book. It's life. It's God. It's, 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 it's God speaking to us. It's God's, it's God's word. So, um, you know, sometimes we can feel at times that we're in a spiritual desert. I mean, I think all of us can say, you know, we go through those, you know, we talk about that as Christians. We go, we have the mountaintop experiences and we got, well, we get the valleys. You know, and I, I believe the way to live your Christian life is to just live it. You've got you to find the middle ground. And I believe that's what a steadfast spirit is. You've got to be steady. Because if you try to, and I wish we could do this, but if you try to stay on the mountain, 
it's just not, it's, it's unrealistic. I just don't believe that's possible. And we don't want to stay in the valley because you're going to get depressed. So I'm just, guess what, God? The, the highs, the lows, the sicknesses, the health, the good times, the bad times, you know, life, death, job, loss of job, I'm steady. So I'm just, I'm just plowing through. You know, that, 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 that's what God is just looking for us just to, but we go through, we go through times of dryness. We go through, we go through times of, of, of desert. We must, as Josiah did, we must burn with the zeal of God. And um, this isn't on the screen, but um, Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, it says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Now, I didn't do a study on deer and, and the woods and being in the, in the wild, but I got to think that they must really get to a place where they, they're panting. They're, they're desperate. They're, they're thirsty. They're, they're looking for that. And the, the psalmist says, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Does your soul pant for God? I mean, just be honest with yourself. Just ask yourself that. Does my soul pant? Does my soul long? Is, does it, is there a desperation that I got to have God? I got to go out, is that, that hunger there. And if it's not, then I got to say, God, I want that. God, God, birth that in me, God. Give it to me, Father. T take these things away, God. Re remove whatever it is in my life that's competing on God. Plant those things in, in, inside of me.